We've been in a series called Comeback, and we, you know, we've been talking about what it means to come back from uh, either a pitfall in life, a difficult season, uh, an area where you feel like you've, you've, you've lost your way. We've also talked about spiritual comebacks. Um, and we just started this on Easter, just recognizing that as, as, Jesus, as Jesus came back from the grave, um, you know, he makes any comeback possible. And um, as we, we th- consider that today, I want to just have someone else come up and share her story. And it's Marlene Gallant, and, and she has a story to share with us today. We're so grateful, Marlene, um, that you're going to do this. And yeah, a lot of clapping today. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. I want to take you back uh, a number of years to November 2004. I was driving along the Bonaventure Highway, uh, was not under construction at the time, thinking this is déjà vu. It was all too familiar, and in my mind, my mind was really racing, wondering what I was going to find when I got home. It was early Tuesday morning, and I'd been in my office when the phone rang around 8:30. That phone call changed my life. It changed our family life, and it changed it forever. It was my neighbor asking me to come home as quickly as possible. I had a full day of meetings, but the urgency behind the request was undeniable. He said that my son Christopher needed me. The first thing that came to my mind was the fact that maybe something had happened actually to my husband. He'd been sick for a number of years. So my thoughts went to him right away. Our neighbor wouldn't share any details over the phone, just get home. As my mind raced on the drive home, I saw a fire truck in front of the house and police cars. Was it a fire? The house sort of looked okay. So I ran in and was greeted by the police officers and a doctor. My husband, Steve, was in the family room with neighbors around him. I wasn't sure what was going on. The doctor explained to me that my son, Christopher, had passed away with a cardiac arrhythmia during the night. He was 15 years old. He was a downhill skier, a rugby player, a baseball player, a scout, a great student. He was our household comedian. He was a mischievous teenager. You know, the one that you look at, it's always got that sly grin, and you kind of wonder what he's up to. I thought, this really can't be. This time was different than the previous time. Yes, there had been a last time. We had our first son. We lost him to cardiac disease as well, right after birth. Our first son, Justin, was four days old. My deja vu moment on the Bonaventure took me back to the drive home from the hospital in 1987 after the loss of Justin. I can still sense the feeling of complete destitution at that time. How is it you can lose two children in one family, both seemingly healthy by all normal accounts? Justin, a 10-pound, 10-pound baby boy, and Christopher, a strong, healthy teenager, both to heart disease, not one related to the other, and each one undiagnosed. Loss of any kind is really hard, but the loss of a child feels like things are just out of sequence. It's not normal, it's not right. I know that there's two families here who've experienced the same thing that I've experienced and our family has experienced. So I know that when you suffer 
devastation from losing their life and their potential impact on the world, you also lose their friends coming to the house, their humorous rays of telling stories and laughing at everything. It's like your household has been, the life in your household has been snuffed out. As a parent, how do you deal with your own grief and protect your other child who's also suffering? How do you transition from an active house with kids coming and going, opening your fridge and eating everything that you have there, to deafening silence? So what happens is you mourn the present, but you also grieve the future because it's nothing that you expect and it is not going to be as you thought it would be. So I had a great career. Accelerated promotions. I was respected. I love my job. I love my staff. I had an amazing professional life, a wonderful family, social life. I believed in work-life balance. And when I got home, the kids were really the center of my life. All things business were forgotten, and all things children shifted into gear, all things family. So when life is good, and our job is secure, and our financial situation is sound, and health is perfect, and your family is uh, doing well, and the sun is shining on us, our need and our interest in trusting God can just become an afterthought. When we lost Christopher, I realized that my faith had wavered over the years. I had fallen into the trap of that our culture promotes. Success is attained through status, work, salary, and materialistic things. This time I needed God back in my life more than anything else. I needed the comfort that only he can give. I was emotionally depleted, and I longed for his grace and mercy. I knew that I could either become very bitter about the loss or prayerfully ask God to accept me back, forgive my sins, and allow me to rebuild my trust in him. I was empty, and I needed to restore my soul. I didn't want to be a victim of circumstance. That's not what Christopher would have wanted. And I had a family that needed me, so I immersed myself in books and projects. I did my utmost to feed my soul by reading everything in the Bible that touched on loss and suffering. I also read every book that I could get my hands on, written by a pastor or layperson that dealt with love, death, heaven, spirituality, purpose. I attended church regularly and found God speaking to me through worship songs, messages, and scriptures. When I was at my most vulnerable, the words that resonated with me the most were actually from a song during worship called Indescribable. Most of you know it. It's indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing God, all-powerful, untamable, awestruck. We fall to our knees and humbly proclaim, you are amazing God. The song reminded me that if God knows the star is my name. He certainly knows more about us individually than we know about ourselves. He can do awesome things when we come to him in humility. He loves us unconditionally. I grew up in a Christian home, so I knew what it was to be connected to God and the church. Today I recognize that when church is part of my rhythm, it helps me reflect on my life in a way that I had had trouble doing. It helps me in my search for inner peace and helps me turn to God for inspiration and guidance about who I am and who I'm trying to be, who am I serving, and what is my motivation. 
God doesn't force us to do anything. He woos us. And that's why I think his voice is so subtle and spoken in hushed tones at times. As I accepted his gift of forgiveness and decided to live out my life in faith, I've learned to distinguish between faith, trust, and my relationship with Jesus. Spiritual faith is confidence in knowing that God is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do. I had this foundation from my childhood. My mom and dad had given that to me. And when my faith wavered, I still knew that this could be restored. Trust, on the other hand, is something that grows out of faith. Franca always reminds me there's no fear in God. And I've learned that this is true. When we place our ultimate trust in God, God's grace is not about fairness. It's about generosity. But we can only receive it if our hands are open. What's beyond trust? To have trust, you need a daily relationship with God, but I also realize that our daily relationship can be at so many different levels during our spiritual journey. As we read scriptures and listen for God's encouragement to grow, he constantly challenges us to be more, to be more spiritually, but also to do more in service to him. So I challenged myself to understand how can I be on mission with God? I often thought finding purpose was mysterious and complicated. It's just we humans that make everything complicated. It's pretty simple. God gives us strengths and weaknesses, skills and talents. It's just about taking the best of these and offering them in service to our world in a way that builds on biblical principles. I chose to match my gifts in finance and facilitation to help people work towards financial peace in a world where this is pretty countercultural. As I learn, I'm stretched to do more and grow more in generosity of time and resources. Where can I serve best? How can I be in partnership with God and be attentive to his calling? I'm reading a book right now called The Locust Effect by Gary Hogan. And although the book talks about poverty, there's an excerpt that I just want to share. It says, the most insidious problems are the ones we cannot see. He goes on to talk about someone who had an experience very similar to ours and likens it to a thin curtain being pulled back on a horrible world just behind the surface of the reality we are walking through. There are two realities in our affluent, white-collar professional world. First, the massive amount of grief that is all around us all the time. From death, cancer, suicide, dementia, infidelity, failure, addiction. And secondly, the way we almost never see it. We readily see other external struggles, but grief... We have to go pretty deep to see the grief that sometimes is the most pervasive and deepest thing in a friend or colleague's day. When we suffer, we ask, where is God? Perhaps a better question is, where are the people of God and the church? As Christians, we can encourage people experiencing grief to seek out God through prayer and positive steps forward. We're not called upon to give advice but we are called upon to show love, care, and concern as his hands and feet on earth. Hebrews 12.15 resonates with me when it says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God. That's the power we're asked to unleash in a fallen world. God is at work all of the time, and his timing is perfect. Christopher passed away six days after I became eligible to retire. God's timing allowed me 
to focus on coming back and being closer to Shannon during the years following her lo- my, the loss of her, bo- her brother. Just know that you don't need a crisis or a tragic event to open your heart. God can renew you at any moment. I have so much le- more to learn. I love the fact that God has blessed me with the opportunity to learn from my boys and with my daughter. I love to watch her spiritual journey and see her grow as a young woman of Christ as she shakes her head. Life is far from perfect, but trust in God. This allows me to live in peace. My comeback story is far from over because Jesus is in it, and I have so much more to learn. Thanks so much, Father. I told you it'd be a little bit of a roller coaster today in terms of all the, the pieces to our gathering, and um, we don't often have it exactly set up this way. But I think you've heard enough from people um, that God is at work, that God is active, that God uh, loves you, loves the world. And hearing Marlene's story is an example of you know faith when when the rubber meets the road, faith when there's difficult moments, faith when life demands it from us. And when life demands that our faith would become real. And even hearing Marlene's story, you could recognize it wasn't an idealistic comeback, right? Some, many would choose a different outcome. Many would think or would long for a comeback or an outcome to reverse what took place. That wasn't the case. Um, many would want to say a comeback story is about success and significance and um, But I think as we've heard Marlene, we get this sense that people can move forward into God's future regardless of their past, regardless of a tragic situation and with faith as Marlene chose instead of without. I think one of the the thoughts that that just jumps at me about Marlene, and, and if you know her, you know that when she jumps into something, she immerses herself fully. A few years ago, she immersed herself into the stewardship and finance ministries at Westside, and she's helped us in those areas. But in, 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 in her faith, post this moment in her life, she immersed herself in Christ. She immersed herself in faith. She immersed herself in his love and his purpose and his hope and his joy. And it makes me think about this. And I want to I wanna wrap up in a, just with a few minutes of talking about how important immersion is in a comeback. Because comebacks are impossible without immersion. Any comeback is impossible without immersion. Any real comeback requires an immersion. Any real comeback requires us to immerse ourselves in whatever that means moving forward. It's so true. If you've ever come back from a relational breakdown, you know that you must immerse yourself in the new reality, in, 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 in building that relationship, in, in belief in the, the purpose of that relationship, in the practices and the nurture that will build that relationship, right? You cannot come back from that and not immerse yourself in what you want to see happen in that relationship. In any kind of comeback, you need an immersion experience. We get what immersion means. It means, it means putting yourself fully into something, right? 
When, when my daughter uh, first went to um, elementary school, we had chosen for my son to switch out of English school and get into French school, basically because my wife and I were horrible at French. So we thought, we're going to try this a better way than us trying to teach them. And so my daughter got into French school at kindergarten. In fact, we never called it kindergarten. We called it maternelle. Julia is so immersed in French that if someone pops on you know, one of those tête à videos... She laughs, and I'm like, uh-huh, okay, I get it, right? She laughs immensely because she gets it. She hears the story. She gets the mannerisms. She gets everything, and maybe she's not laughing at something very good, but the point is that she gets it, right? She gets it, and there's a difference when someone's immersed in something and when someone isn't immersed in something. And her immersion in language, particularly, that's one of her loves as well, um, she loves to immerse herself in that. And so when we think about immersion, we, any real comeback needs an immersion. And a spiritual comeback needs an immersion. And here today we witness baptism, and baptism is an immersion. Even the word itself means to be completely immersed. And as we do baptisms, one of the reasons why we do it immersing people fully in water is, well, it's part of what the word means, it's part of the New Testament practice And it also reflects the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, where someone fully immerses themselves into the life of Jesus. It's a tangible immersion, but it's also a spiritual immersion. As someone steps into this new life, we read in Romans 6 before, you know, Paul talking about the early church practice of baptism and how someone or a believer, someone who's following Jesus, is baptized into Christ's death, immersed immersed into his burial, immersed into a new life of resurrection. It reflects the work of Christ, the cross, the resurrection, and the fullness of what God has in store. And, and, and I want us to just get a glimpse of what immersion looks like. And so I want to leave you with, with just three, three really, really brief ideas. And, um, and as we do that, I want to just put Matthew 28 on, this, on the screen because here's where Jesus tells his disciples, um, post-resurrection, He gives them a mission. He gives them a purpose. And this is what he says. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. I want you to think that about this. If you want to make a spiritual comeback, or maybe some of the things we're going to say today affirms what you've experienced, maybe some of the things will uh, help you in what it means to move forward in discovering who Jesus is, but immersion looks like this. It's a new reality, a new story, and a new community. A new reality, a new story, and a new community. And think about the new reality for a second. Here it says, well, you can keep that, that's fine. How, how Jesus says, baptize, when you go and make disciples, baptize them in what? In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. When you think about the name of God, the name of God as Father, God as Spirit, God as Son, or Jesus Christ, it's, it's literally a, an immersion into his life. It's an immersion into everything that God, every, everything of who God is. When we think of the name of God, we think of, of God ruling a kingdom. And, and that kingdom reflects the ruler. 
And, and you can see that in a good kingdom or a bad kingdom, often it will reflect the one who's ruling that kingdom. The name of that person means something. And when we say we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we're saying we are immersing ourselves into God's new reality, into what his kingdom is about, what life is about for him, with him, and because of him. And so it's the way of God, it's the presence of God, it's the purpose of God, it's the power of God, it's the life of God. And here's the thing, a spiritual comeback requires an immersion into a new reality. Not an old reality, into a new reality. And this was a moment where two people got baptized, but when someone comes to faith and puts their trust in Christ, they're stepping into something brand new. Under the rulership and reign of God the Father, Son, and Spirit, in their name. But a comeback or an immersion also needs a new story. And Jesus said this specifically. If you just go to the next idea, the sense of a new story, Jesus says when you go out making disciples, when you go out baptizing people in a sense as they come to Christ, think about this. He says, then go ahead teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. In a sense, he's saying you need to teach people to live with a new story. You need to teach people to live with a new script. Because the script that they've been following, maybe they might not articulate it, Maybe they might not be able to say, this is exactly what's been leading my life or guiding my life or the story of my life, but everyone has a script. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a way that they live their lives. And if you think deep enough, you will realize that your your life has a story. Your life has a script. But Jesus says, when you go and make disciples, and as people are immersed into this new reality, immerse them into a new story, right? We can get that. You watch American news, Americans live by a story. Canadians live by a story. Consumerism is a story. And these stories often lead our lives or affect our lives. Jesus says, teach them everything I've commanded. In a sense, teach them a new story. Teach them a new story that will be the script for their lives, that will lead them and guide them. Share my story because my story will shape their lives. So we need a new story to immerse ourselves in. That's the story of God's kingdom. I never forget hearing Bono once, uh, once uh, you know, the, the lead singer of U2, he's asked a question. He said, once he, they said, hey, what's your favorite book? And on radio, like live radio, national radio, he said, well, one of my favorite books, it's called The Message. It's actually a translation of the Bible. And I love that version of the Bible. It just helps me understand and comes al- like faith comes alive to me when I read that translation of the Bible. But when he was asked about faith after, and he went on and talked about this, and he, he talked about his life, and he says, you know what? He says, the world lives by a certain script. And he said, you know, maybe, and he highlighted one. He says, often the world lives by the karma script. You know, you do something and then you're retributed. You do something and it's a payback. What you do in the past comes back into the future. Karma is the story where everything comes back, good or bad, mistakes or success. It all comes back to us. And Bono, as he's recognized who Jesus is, I loved what he said. He said, but Jesus changed the script. Jesus changed the story. It's a grace-based story. It's not a karma story. It's a grace story. At the cross, he reconciled us to himself. He's extended his grace to us. And he says, no, it doesn't matter the good or bad that you've done. That's not going to come back to you in that way if you embrace my grace, if you embrace my story. In essence, it's a new story we live by. And every spiritual comeback requires an immersion into a new story. Jesus' story. A Jesus-shaped story. And then the last piece of this is it's a new community. Jesus says over here at the end, and surely I am with you always. He's speaking to just 12 of them at the moment. 
But he says, I will be with you always. And there's so much more that this text, this, this text can say. But think about that. He says, I will be with you as a community, showing you who I am, leading you, guiding you. As he's speaking to these 12 disciples, they were the first, the, the, you know, the beginning, the first fruits of this new community that was going to be shaped in the name of Jesus. This new community of Christ followers that would come together and grow. And so Jesus says, I will be with you always. In a sense, Jesus says, I'm going to stick with you, but you need to stick together. Because as you move into this new reality, into this new story that I've taught you, you can't do it alone. You need a new community. And you need to walk together in this new community, with this new community. In fact, later on in the book of Acts, 3,000 people come to put their faith in Jesus. And what do they do? They join the community. They join the you that Jesus says, I will be with you always. We can take it individually, but we need to take it also as a community and say, God is with his people. Immerse ourselves not only into a new reality, not only into a new story, but into a new community where we walk with one another, where we pick each other up, where we baptize one another, where we stand with one another, where we journey with one another, where we learn from one another, where we hear from one another like we heard from Marlene, and then where we can encourage each other along the way in successes and in failures, but we can walk that together, this new community. I'm going to close with this story. I'm going to ask the team to come up um, as we we close with a song, but there was a couple... um, that I met probably 15 years ago. And they came to this church that my wife and I were a part of. And their marriage was um, really at, just at the end of, of their ropes. The husband in the relationship had multiple affairs. And there was no trust at all in the marriage. And they came, I remember them coming, and they sat in the back of our church at that time. I started to get to know, know them a little bit. And something they did was they didn't initially commit to actually seeing their marriage come back together. But something caught them in their hearts. It was actually Jesus started to, to reach out to them, and they started to recognize that. And we noticed after time, my wife and I, that slowly, each of them individually, because of all the tragedy that happened within their relationship, individually they had to grow and, um, and, just, and, and, and heal and also pursue God on their own. And as that happened, first the wife started to pursue the Lord and grow, then the husband, and slowly things started to change in each of their lives separately. And I'll never forget the day, I had the privilege of, of literally baptizing both of them on the same day. They both, over time, came to faith in Christ, they discovered a new reality, they discovered a new story, they discovered a new community, and they moved forward. And this is the beauty. Their comeback story was a relational comeback story, but it was also a spiritual comeback story. But what they did when I noticed this, they immersed themselves into that new reality. They immersed themselves into that new community. They immersed themselves into that new story. And God worked in them as they responded. And today, if, if one day we're going to have them come and share maybe their story live and to see them serve one another, serve their family, serve God, serve the world, that can only happen through a spiritual comeback. That can only happen with full immersion. You cannot come back that way without immersion. So whatever comeback you're needing right now, I want to encourage you, go 100% in the immersion process. If you're making a spiritual comeback, don't just 
come half-heartedly, say, I'm going to immerse myself into this new reality, into this new story that I learned from Jesus, into this new community. You cannot do it without immersion. So maybe what's your next step today, after today? One, one step is keep exploring. Keep exploring what, and, and, and learning with us. That's immersion. Get into the Gospels and read the story of Jesus so you can get immersed into his new story. Serve, maybe, maybe you've been, you're following Christ already, but you haven't served his work. Maybe your immersion is serving his work. Maybe it's part of, 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 of joining community and saying, I'm not going to journey alone. Maybe for some of you, you're just affirmed in all this. You're like, wow, I've seen this happen in my life. I can say amen, like so many uh, amens that happened today. But for some of us, we feel like, wait a second, I haven't immersed myself. I haven't immersed myself into, into God's story. I haven't immersed myself into his reality fully. I haven't immersed myself into his community. You need to immerse yourself to make a comeback. Let's stand as we, as we sing this song together and pray. Would you lead us, Louise? And as we do that, let's just think about these words, sing these words, worship with these words, just recognizing Christ is enough. And as we've seen people get baptized today, we've heard their stories, we've heard Marlene share her story, and her story resonates with these words as we're encouraging you today. Maybe you need to make that step and say, I'm going to say Christ is enough. Let's sing that together as we close out our gathering. Maybe you're singing that with all your heart, fully affirming it that Christ is enough for you, and we just we celebrate that with you. But maybe you're reading those words, and there's a prompting in your heart to make that decision to make Christ fully enough for you, to fully trust Him, to enter the new reality He invites you into, the reality of God the Father, Son, and Spirit, the reality of His kingdom the reality of his grace. Maybe you're the prompting to embrace the story of Jesus. His death, burial, and resurrection. But not just that, the life he invites you into. Maybe you're calling him to write a new story in your life. his story the promise is that you find new community communion with God become his child his family and community with others it's the community of Christ followers who Jesus promises and says I will be with you always so if that's your decision today Express that to God. Turn your heart, your life to him. Just tell him that you want to trust him, that you invite his forgiveness into your life, that you believe in his death and resurrection, that you call him Lord to lead you and guide you. Father, we just come to the end of this gathering. We celebrate all that's gone on today. God, we've worshiped you. We've heard stories of transformation. We've heard stories of faith. Um, God, we've heard comeback stories. We've seen you at work, Lord, in each other's lives. And we just say thank you for that. God, we thank you for many of us here that can affirm and say we are so grateful for the new reality that you give us, lead us into the new story we found in Jesus, the new community you've placed us in, God. We say thank you for that. And God, I just pray for anyone here today who's made some steps forward towards that. 
steps towards immersing themselves deeper, God, into your truth. We just pray that you would reveal yourself, lead and guide us, all of us, Lord, towards um, the full life that you have in store for us in Christ Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.